Pickaxe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for dropping into the cast party. Join the cast and crew as they are discarded from their Hollywood film set into the crazy world of Dungeons and Dragons. And action! We are working on Sanders' soon-to-be canon alien abduction one-shot that is exclusive to our cast and crew over on our Patreon. Join us in achieving our very first Patreon stretch goal of 100 patrons with less than 20 to go and support the show, all while snagging some awesome exclusive bonus goodies. Head on over to patreon.com slash castparty to become an official part of our cast and crew. You'll receive access to hours upon hours of hilarious exclusive bonus content, access to our community Discord where we host live listening parties and community-run games, as well as entry into our merch giveaway that we do for every Cast Party episode. Speaking of, this episode's merch giveaway winner is... Thelenoth. Brand new anniversary merch is still up in our store over at cast-party.myshopify.com. What are you waiting for? Go grab it. It's amazing. Thank you all so, so much again for listening. Enjoy the episode, cast and crew. Well, that 25 gold will indeed get us somewhere. Thank God for them charitable folks changing you back, Maxil. They didn't even suspect all the grave dust we got down in the cargo hold. They are just too gullible. Didn't even look for it. Suckers. Maxwell, get down from there. Yes, I said get down. Good. I can't have you being Max broken. (laughs) Where was I? They don't know they just helped the biggest aquatic drug dealers from the Sea of Talos. We are running grave dust all around these parts and sneaking right under the magistrate's noses. Hello everyone and welcome to Cast Party. My name is Colin McManus and I will be your director for today. 
I am joined by my clambering cast and crew. I don't know what that means. Ryan McManus. Hi, Sebastian Vivaldi Greensleeves, an emo at heart musician whose love for boats and pirates originated when he first watched Pirates of the Caribbean with his dad when he was young. The soundtrack is what really supercharged his ambition for music as it was hands down the most hype thing he had ever heard since he had grown up with nothing but classical music played around the house by his classical composer parents. He would watch it over and over again to hear the music and instantly fell in love with the idea of being a pirate and sailing. The main theme truly sparked his interest and drive in seeing what other genres of music were really out there. Who's his favorite character? Oh. Jack the monkey. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Anna Brisbane. Blueberry Sky Johnson, the elven druid actress who has never before climbed a mountain, thus is a little freaked while still in elven form and forced to climb. She was also homeschooled, so or, you know, set schooled, so she never had a gym class forcing her to climb a rope. She also had it drilled into her head by her parents from a young age to never do her own stunts or it could ruin her career, so... She is really risk-averse when it comes to physical stunts, but the good news is since she's learned to wild chip into animals that can climb, and she knows if she gets hurt, she won't permanently harm her actual body, she feels a lot more confident attempting stunts while wild-shaped at least, and also since magical healing has become a thing, so that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. I never thought that people in Fendrea probably don't need stunt doubles. Well, pe- people in Fendrea usually just have four hit points, so... Oh, you're right. <laughs> I also only have four hit points. Falling like 20 feet could kill you pretty pretty easily. <laughs> Falling in my shower could probably kill me. Yeah. <laughs> then we have our one HP Nigel Deacon. Sup, uh, Xander Gucci Supreme, who knows for a fact that his three fellow adventurers are hiding something. Blueberry, Jet, and Sebastian are all... Mole people. What? And they're trying to throw off Xander with completely different defense mechanisms. Blueberry, outright denial. Will fight it with every bone in her body that she's not a mole person. Jet, complete ignorance. Acts like he doesn't know anything about what Xander's talking about all the time. Sebastian, super interested. Getting in super close with Xander so he can learn all about it. Might even openly admit it. You know, reverse psychology style. But Xander isn't falling for it. In fact, he's kind of excited about it. He never thought he could get in close with the mole people. Oh my God. <laughs> Why don't we ever dig? You're trying to throw him off, obviously. Wait, actually, that feels a little derivative of mole people. Like, they have advanced as a society. They don't need to dig with their hands <laughs> or live underground. Yeah, it's like it's like the guy in Atlantis with the big drill. Yeah. He's a mole person. <laughs> Vince, before you go watch Atlantis, you need to introduce yourself. Vince Perino playing Jet the Boulder Chambers, big burly heartthrob whose love resides with his mother and puppy Princess Pebbles. Speaking of Princess Pebbles, here's some info on her. One of Jet's favorite things to do with Princess Pebbles is on a nice, beautiful day, he'll take her out in his nice Tesla to the dog park. They go, they have a nice time. She runs around, she plays with some friends. Then they go back, and on the way back home, he'll stop at the local ice cream shop, and they get some pup cups for her, and she has a nice pup cup to cool down. Then they go back home, <laughs> and they sit down, and they watch a movie. And this is definitely not Vince projecting at what he does with his two puppies at home. 
<laughs> at least once a week. Cute. All right, everybody, let's talk about what happened on our last episode. We began with Jezebel falling to the ground as Xander's knife slid into her heart. Xander noticed that one of the gems adorning the dagger was now filled with blood. Jet and Blueberry quickly got the four young girls out of their cages and out onto the deck of the gray skies, while Sebastian and Xander searched the captain's quarters, finding an eerie, unsettling child's room. You brought the kids back to town where you were paid for your services, and Xander discovered the truth about Jezebel, that she was stealing the young girls to harvest their natural life-creating power to resurrect her daughter Trinity. You stayed at the Sleeping Dog Inn that night and had plenty of puppy playtime. Xander awoke and almost immediately turned into a giant donut before you headed on your way to Faramore once again. You saw Kanu and your old friend Jan Stamos before telling Matthias about what happened in Valorith. He told you of the changes he would have to make to the university and that for you all it would be beneficial to figure out exactly where the Magistrate came from. He pointed you to Wintermare a knowledge center which has long been destroyed but may hold the answers you're looking for. You got some discounted healing potions and went to the Faramore docks. Magistrate ships were already in the harbor as you saw Commodore Fulton addressing his guards. You steered clear, found a man named Maxwell who had a Max-ill son who you cured who agreed to take you up the Spearhead Gulf to an old path that leads to the Tower of Windermere. It was a long journey before you came to a steep cliff where this path had since been washed away by a rock slide. You all surprisingly easily made it up the full face of the cliff before being on flat ground. What awaited ahead was pure destruction. Now you're standing at the top of this cliff. Ahead of you, hundreds of tents, carts, signs, all burnt to a crisp or destroyed and rotting. Hundreds of bones of humanoid bodies lay around this area. The largest piece of anything man-made you can see is a large sign which used to say Gary's Golden Apples, though it has fallen off its supports and is broken in two. And so the scene is set. Question is, what will you do next? What the hell? Damn. This looks like a massacre. Jeez. Can I see if these skeletons look burnt? Give me investigation. I'd like to take a look with her. Roll yourself, or one of you can roll with advantage. Two separate. Ten. Eight. Oh, no. These are old bones. You know this place has been destroyed for upwards of eight decades. It's been a very, very long time. But if it was medicine, it would have been a 15. Yeah, I'll allow a medicine check with this. Most things here are indeed burnt. There are bones that you can see have chips out of them. Though I will say you don't know exactly what Matthias meant when Roros, the god of fire, burnt this place to the ground. Was it with followers of his? Was it with just him burning everything with a grand fire? From what you're seeing is you can find bones that have fractures. Can I walk forward, just walk north a little bit through this and just look for any bones that would look like that they were soldiers, like that have weapons or armor or anything like that just to see unless it's all just civilians. Does it look like they put up a fight? It looks like it is very hard to tell because all that is left 
is bones. There's no clothing. There's no weapons. There's no armor. Oh, my God. You would think if there was weapons that they would still be here. Like, I don't think the metal would melt. Yeah. <sighs> Maybe it was scavenged. Unless the weapons were taken. Yeah. Yeah. They could have been, too. Yeah. I'm tiptoeing across the skeletons, trying to, like, step in the rare <laughs> pockets of dirt where there's no bones. I'm like, eh, eh, eh. As you do so, the air is thin here. Really, the only sounds you're hearing are your tiptoeing and the sounds of the wind kind of whipping up the mountainside that you all came up. This pathway kind of meanders through this dead market, and it seems to open up ahead of you, but there are some mountain faces in your way, Ugh. stopping your view from seeing further. But Blueberry, you're making your way through these dilapidated stalls, and you start to round a peak on one of these mountains. And again, you're just seeing more destruction. It's a large opening surrounded by peaks all around. The ground here is completely roasted, burnt in most places. And you see ahead of you a large blue-gray... It used to be a tower. It sits completely destroyed in the middle of a few large craters. Again, there are bones of dead bodies everywhere. There are remains of old market stalls here, just like before, but these are in even worse shape. No signs remain. Most of the fabric completely burnt down. Absolute desolation. Can I fly Namora up and just see if there's anything that's better that can be seen from above? Throw Namora up there. And you can see through Nomura's eyes, correct? Mm-hmm. Give me your perception with advantage as Nomura flies up. I rolled a 14 for both. One thing that does seem out of place is kind of off to the south in between two of these large craters. It looks like there are less bones. And there's a large hole that has a shovel next to it. So either there's someone that's real respectful of the people that were lost here, or there's a gravedigger somewhere around here. Because there's a hole with a shovel down that a ways. And there's less bones. There's someone trying to bury all of these skeletons? Well, I'm just going to start heading that way. Oh, hold on. Wait up. You head over. And especially now that Blueberry is with you, with her higher passive perception, you can see around you, Blueberry, the area around here looks different in dozens of spots. It doesn't all look completely burnt, and you can actually see about similar-sized holes that are probably filled now, dozens of them around this area. Just a bunch of, like, previously dug and filled holes. Does it look fresh? This most recent one looks like fresh dirt. I'll peek down into the hole. Blueberry, with your perception, you can see that this one probably isn't done being dug. It is not nearly as big as the other ones that were around. There is nothing currently in it. Oh no, this one's for us. No, it really feels like these bones are being buried. But why? I want to check out this crater behind us. The first thing you kind of see is that the ground here has been melted. It is blackened. Even though it's stone, it was once so hot that it melted. And there are full-on bones that are completely submerged in what is now stone. As you're looking, Blueberry, 
You hear footsteps to your north. Footsteps? What? I'll run over to Blueberry. Oh, God, there's nowhere we can hide. Get in the hole. In the hole. Xander's going to jump in the hole. <laughs> if Jet leaves me, I'm going to follow Xander. And I'm going to, like, sit over the edge of the hole with my hands out straight with, <laughs> like, the finger guns. What do you see? What do you see? I don't see anything. Jet, are you getting in the crater with me? Or are you just staying out? I'm staying out. I want to see who's walking towards us. Can I roll stealth to peek over? Yes. Xander and Sebastian, you can as well, if you'd like. Okay. I'm letting Xander look. I'm, I wouldn't peek up. That's a six. I definitely, like, put my hands <laughs> up on the edge of the crater and, like, lift to peek over, and it, like, crumbles away, and I, like, <laughs> fall. <laughs> Uh, I also got a six, so I'm just, like, whole half of the body above the edge of the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Xander is standing on top of Sebastian. Sebastian jumped in too fast and took up too much room, and he doesn't want to move now, and so Xander's halfway out. Blueberry's crumbling dirt all around. Blueberry, you're hearing this walking is a little bit shuffly, but Jet, you look off to this northward direction, and you see... A very old, very small gnomish man holding a big stick, using it to walk. As he walks up to you, he goes, Nothing left here for scavengers. No, 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 we're we're far from that. We're just traveling through. Nowhere to go from here. Well, what are you doing here? He just keeps walking. He's completely stopped looking at you, Jet. Xander, you can see him walking towards you. Mm, okay. Xander, what's out there? He walks all the way over and looks down into the hole, Sebastian, as you say that. Uh, hi. Would you move? Are we in the way? Uh. Yes. Okay. Of what? Get up, Sebastian. He throws his little staff down and he has a bag on his back, drops it to the ground and it unfolds into a big square of fabric. He grabs this shovel, starts digging. Do you need any help? What you doing, boss? Jet, this guy's weird. Do I have a shovel on me, or is there one nearby? As you're looking around, you see, the further he gets down in this dirt, it looks pretty hard for him to get through. He's not just old, he is gnomish old. He is frail. It looks like he was walking with a limp. Without saying anything to him, I'll I'll take out my own shovel out of my, my bag, and I'll just start helping him. Give me athletics. Eight. You start, and you're able to break through some of this harder rock. And you can see he looks up at you. Furl's eyebrows. Continues digging. This goes on for a few minutes. Are the rest of you doing anything? I want to walk over to the tower. <laughs> you just leave. Yeah, I'm I'm done with this situation. <laughs> <laughs> Xander, don't go far, please. Xander, you go over to the tower. Does this look like it was a proper building or just like a watchtower? Because if it was like a proper building, I'd be looking for like any sort of entryway or maybe like a hole where that would lead to a basement. It definitely looks like it used to be a circular watchtower that was pretty large. Probably 70, 80 feet tall. 
So while you're looking around the wreckage, give me perception. Can I have Namora also looking around at like different parts? He's doing his own searching, but I'm looking as well. Yeah. I will say immediately, there's no entrance anymore. 90% of this building is completely fallen apart. There's very few even walls still standing. Well, I'm going to learn a lot from this, I'm sure, because I got a three. What did Namori get? A two. Good lord. (laughs) What is happening? I'm throwing these dice away. There's a point where Namora is starting to crawl through the wreckage and happens to brush by one of these beams and it falls. So Namora traps themselves in an area where they can't get out. So you, instead of spending your time looking, you're more trying to find a way to get Namora out of that situation. Xander's just like, oh my god, Namora, trying to pick up the rock. No, you're like picking up the rocks, but Namora's zaps to right behind you, but you're still like trying to open the spot. (laughs) Sebastian and Blueberry, are you doing anything? Are you just watching Jet and this old man? Hi, who who are you? Kind of looks up at you for a second, arches his back, and you hear a loud crack. Takes a deep breath and just wipes his brow, and he gets out the hole. But what's your name? As you're talking, he's not even looking at you anymore, Blueberry. He puts his shovel down, grabs a corner of that large square of fabric, and he starts walking off to the south. Where where are you going? He puts a large square of fabric down as he finds a place where there's more bones. He starts picking up the bones putting him on that big sheet. Is he dumping the bones? Just gather them up and burying them? Blueberry, should I get in this guy's head? What, read his thoughts? If there are any. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're just gonna be, oh, there's one over here, oh, there's one over here, all right, let's go back to the hole. Like, I don't think there's gonna be anything interesting. (sighs) Sebastian. Yo. Help me out with this. Okay. I'll walk over to to the old man, and I'm going to lay out my uh, neurotoxic net and try to fill up the net with as many bones as I can without saying anything to the old man. I'll grab the opposite side of the net so we can drag and just pull it together. Yeah, you're basically doing really sad yard work. You're putting dead leaves onto a tarp and taking them to compost, but in a much different way. And that's exactly what it looks like this man was doing. And he pulls the tarp over and he dumps him into the hole. And then he repeats. We'll come and dump our hall with him each time he goes. And it takes you guys about an hour to fill this hole with bones. (sighs) And then he grabs a shovel. Oh, not another hole. Jet, (sighs) And he just starts filling up the hole. Oh, okay. Gosh, I wish I knew. I wish I had some spell that I could mold earth with. (laughs) I would have walked back over while they were doing this, and I'm just like sitting near the hole. Uh, yo, boss, you look hella old. Uh, were you around when this shit burned down? Xander, he kind of looks at you for a second, and it looks like he's about to say something, and he looks down at the hole, just keeps bearing. 
I'll give you a gold if you tell me. Money's useless. Fair enough. I couldn't agree more. Um. Okay. Let me hit you with another proposition. Are you burying the bones so that they're not in sight? Or are you burying them out of respect? Because I might be able to help this process a little bit. Just feels right. He puts the shovel down, picks up his little tarp, picks up his walking stick, and looks at you, Jet, says, Tea? I'll pull out my teapot and start pouring him. He's already shaking his head. No? Follow. I'll follow along. And he starts walking off to the northeast. Xander, I don't really like tea. What, Jet, why did you why did you offer him tea when he asked for it? Like, he's obviously asking if you want tea. I, I was trying to be nice. What kind of ludicrous man has just a pot of tea on top of a burnt mountain just after burying a hole? Obviously, we got to go to a house. Xander, as you're following along, there isn't really a house. Off to the northeast, there is a small tent completely unharmed as well as a campfire not currently lit <laughs> and a small plot of crops that seem to be growing intended to. Sebastian, I don't really like tea either. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ignore you. I was just flabbergasted. Uh, it's okay. It was a weird, weird question anyway. And this man goes into his little tent and comes out with his own little tiny teapot and a couple glasses. And he looks at you, Jet. Patches! Oh, we can't trust him. <laughs> you talking Dark Souls right now? Yes, I am <laughs> talking <bitch>. Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> In every single Souls game, uh, or every game made by software, there's a character named Patches, and he always betrays you. <laughs> oh, I did not know that. Anyway, we can't trust Patches. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm Jet. Scavengers? Travelers. Heroes. Adventurers. I'll put a hand on, on Sebastian's mouth and just, just kinda quiet him a little bit. Just let me let me let me take care of this. Why travel here? We were told by a friend that we needed to come here. For what? Knowledge about the magistrate. Not scavengers. Knowledge seekers. Knowledge scavengers. Wardens. Sure. The Wardens used to live in Windermere. Who who were the Wardens? They were knowledge seekers. Oh. Tea time! And he starts walking over to the tower. Okay, um... Jet, as he passes you, he hands you his pot of tea, as well as the teacups. While I'm walking near him, can I stand close by to him and just kind of put my elbow out to see if he would take it for assistance to walk? He completely disregards you. Okay. Calm down, Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to build up trust with him. He walks over and he turns around at the edge of these ruins. Knowledge. Hmm? As yeah. much as we can get. You don't tell people about this. Anyone know you're here? Are you asking us or telling us? Asking. Like if people know we're here? Yeah, we got a, we got a couple homies back home. Well, not back home, but like back at the college. Matthias from a magic school. If I show you, you don't bring anyone else here. Oh, for sure. No, we're just planning on getting the knowledge and leaving. I've had enough people for the next few years to keep it that way. 
we just need what we're looking for, and we we probably won't ever be back here ever. We we have nothing to gain bringing others here. He walks over to the ruins, gets down on all fours, and starts crawling under some of these broken down walls. Oh, what the fuck? Can we fit? There's probably not enough room for us to get through, is there? Do I have to be as small as him to fit? I looked for like an hour. There was nothing here. If you got down and like army crawled, you would be able to make it through. Oh, I'm claustrophobic. Okay. Just stay behind me. You'll you'll be fine. I'll lead the way. You know if I can make it through, then you'll make it through easy. All right. Unless his big shoulders cause a cave-in. Stop! <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian, as you get down and look, you can see you only have to crawl for about five feet. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Jet, you're the first one, we'll say. And as you stand up, you duck around different fallen over things, and you can see the remnants of some bookshelves, which seem to have been picked clean. There's no books or anything on them. Looks like they're, again, broken down. Kind of have to do some climbing over things. Patches looks like he is pretty nimble in this aspect. He does this often. He knows exactly where to stand to get over some of these things. He shows you a staircase that goes downward. Whoa. Oh, my God. I wish I didn't get a two. You're avoiding the toppled walls of the tower, and he just continues walking downstairs. Why did I have to do perception and not investigation? Are you all following down? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This area has fared better than the rest of the tower. There is a hallway going right and hallway going left. And he takes you down the right hallway. And he climbs over a large chunk of dirt that looks like has fallen in from the ceiling above. You can see some charred bones sticking out from this patch of dirt. You can see where Patches has done this many, many times before. And he climbs over this dirt pile that was in this big hallway. Try to copy exactly what he does. It's relatively easy because you guys are four foot taller than him. You can see down this hallway just a little bit further, there's a small opening. There is a large boulder that blocks what seems to be the continuation of this hallway. But in this little opening... There are three stumps, two smaller as well as one larger. There's also another pile of dirt that looks different. It seems to have also come from above, but the dirt itself looks very smooth. It is rock-like now, but looks like it was once cooked into mud. Blueberry, think very similar to how the inside of that crater was. And in this pile of dirt, there is a corpse. This is the first body you have seen that is still somewhat preserved. It looks like this muddy dirt that covered it has helped insulate it from the elements, and being in the basement, it hasn't seen much wear. It looks like a younger man in dull gray robes with blonde hair buzzed very short and a knife wound in his heart. Jet, he turns around and puts both of his hands out. I'll hand him the tea. He makes a little fire on the top of this stump. You can see he's carved out an area to put embers in, and he heats the teapot up. And then he pours two cups of tea. He sits down at one of the stumps, puts the teacup in front of him, and then puts the other teacup in front of the other stump. Takes the teacup, puts his head back with a smile. Ready to talk, Farsner? Right. Farsner. 
I'm sorry, I said my name was was Jet, not Farsner. He takes a big sip of this piping hot tea. He holds it in his mouth a moment. You know it's burning the inside of his mouth. And he blows the hot steam towards this pile of mud as he waves both of his hands in front of his face, causing the steam to manifest in strange patterns. The steam fills the air around the dust for only a second as an incorporeal form of the corpse you see covered in dirt stands before you. What the f- <gasps> Jesus. Oh, shit. Patches, I didn't know you'd bring friends with you. Not friends. They're looking for some information. This is dope. I'm going to take a picture. Did it show up, Xander? Uh, uh... Did it show up? (laughs) It almost looks like you got reflection from a light source. It's just this weird circular light orb. Mm, Ghost orb. Orbs. Ah, The orbs. Well, we will see about that, won't we? You want knowledge? Yes. It is all that we seek. You choose to take a test from a warden. A warden? Uh, A test? Yeah. What, whatever it takes. I didn't study, bro. The wardens were seekers of knowledge, but we also protected it from those who did not deserve it. Oh. Everyone entering Windermere would face a test. Whether it be a physical challenge, riddle, intellectual question, or puzzle. That was decided daily to determine who would ask their questions that day. Ah, shit, I'm not good at any of those. Do people deserve knowledge just for being good at physical feats all right let's fucking go bro what's today's challenge there hasn't been a challenge in 20 years since patches showed up you've been doing this for 20 years no he had to do it once jet when patches showed up no the burying oh he's been here for 20 years burying bones i didn't start with burying but Felt right after I had spoken with Farsnir here. Do you speak to him on a daily occurrence? We chat every day. Makes sense if that's the only person here to speak to. What happened to you, Farsnir? If you're asking for knowledge, you have to pass a test. God damn it. Do we all have to test, or is it just one of us? You are a group, are you not? I mean, are you are you all ready? Uh-huh. Yeah, let's do this. I was born ready, bro. Except for most tests. I'm going to cast Guidance real quick on Jet by Druid Crafting. A a few little uh, tulips that'll just kind of sit along his armor and like in his peripherals just to like cheer him up. They're pink. Aw. While while everyone's stretching and getting ready and everything like that, I'm going to pull Daisy around and play an acoustic rendition of the Lo-Fi Beats to Study To playlist. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm giving everyone inspo using my last three slots. It's riddle time. It's riddle time. That went hard. Blueberry gives her guidance. Sebastian plays his lo-fi beats to study to. Please sit and take a sip of the tea. Keep it in your mouth as long as you can. Sip. Sipping, Tim. It's, it's hot still, isn't it? This is extremely hot. Oh, no. And it feels like the steam from the tea fills your mouth, but 
It doesn't stay in your mouth. It feels like it flows through the top of your mouth into your head. You start feeling lightheaded. Your vision starts becoming smoky, and it is hard to see as if there is steam filling the inside of your eyes. The lightheadedness becomes too much, and you feel like you're about to lose consciousness as you jolt awake. Around you, all looks white and gray. You can see the outline of trees and the ground but everything moves slowly like ripples of smoke. You can only see a small distance as the smokiness clouds your vision. You no longer have tea in your mouths. Around you, you see your fellow party members, though you all, again, look smoky and incorporeal as well. In this grayscale world, the two things that look the most in detail, there's a man wearing plate armor that isn't fully on. He's holding a great sword in his hands, and he is angrily swinging it at a large owl bear that is standing on its hind legs and coming down at the man with its front paws. You guys are seeing this movement in extreme slow motion. You can see what is happening, but no strike has been landed yet. Just beyond them, you can see Farsner's form is also here, Instead of looking at the fight, he's looking at you all. Xander, what the hell did you put in my tea? Dude, I don't know. We just ended up in like the 1930s back here. Like, it's just like everything's in gray. (laughs) Xander, when was color invented? I think it was like the 60s. I don't know. That's when we started getting color in like TV. So it's got to be like, that's when there's color in the real world, I assume. (laughs) Sound logic. <laughs> High def didn't come out until like 2000, bro. We- ah, that's why all my memories are fuzzy. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Anyway, should we help the owl bear or should we help the big gray sword man? Fuck that dude. Why is he going after the big boy? He's just so soft. <laughs> owl bear, for those of you who don't know, literally the size of a bear with feathers along the sides as well as fur and then an owl head. And that is swinging down on this man with the great sword as the great sword man is swinging up at the owl bear. What is our job? I-, I will go over and examine the the man. You can walk right up to him. Uh, I just want to take a look at his at his person and and see like what he's carrying, what facial expression. Facial expression, like what what is he? Give me investigation. He definitely is angry. You can see he has the furled brow and he is screaming. Six. That's what you see. He is very angry. Uh, I'll take a look at the uh, owlbear now. I want to search behind the owlbear. You can't see anything. I can't walk that direction and look. As you do, it is just complete cloudiness all around you. If I keep going, nothing comes into focus? No. In fact, you turn around and it looks like you've been walking in the same spot. (laughs) Your friends are still only five, ten feet away from you. Can I determine if this is a male or female owl owl bear? Yeah, give me nature. Oh, yeah. Eighteen. Definitely female. I don't know. It might be a mama. It's a female owl bear. I was thinking maybe there's a baby hidden somewhere, but if I try to walk away, it, it don't go anywhere. 
How does the owlbear look? Does it look like it's injured at all? Or Neither of them look injured. It looks like, if anything, this is about to be the first swing. How about we pick up the guy, move him a few feet away, and like turn him around in the other direction? And see if we can turn the owlbear around too. She might be too heavy. What if this is like a coliseum fight? Because I, I agree with Blueberry and like trying to move the dude out of the way and stop this fight from happening. Because like this could be like an animal cruelty kind of thing where like they're let out in like a fighting arena. Man, man's just fighting the, the owl bear for entertainment. Well, does he have normal possessions on him like bags and stuff? All you can see that is on him right now is a greatsword and his armor. Hmm. Yeah, well, if he doesn't even have like a gold pouch or something, he, that might be true. Chet, can you just, like, slip the sword out of his hand? I mean... Yeah, but then he'll just get mauled by the owl bear. so it's, I think it's better if we move him. Oh, you're right. Can we even touch him? You go and touch, and you can see he is trying to swing, but you could easily take that sword out of his hand. I would like to actually try to pick him up and move him as far away from the owlbear as possible. I'll help. We'll put him right next to Xander. Like, over here. Jet can basically pull this guy with one hand. Oh. Could we turn around the owl bear, like just rotate it. Yeah, and pull it north also. You basically move them to opposite corners of this small area. <laughs> break it up, break it up. <laughs> and for just a brief moment, everything, even the smoke, looks completely still. Did we do it? The smoke just underneath your feet swirls around you and up your bodies, and it covers all of your faces for just a moment, and when it goes away, you are again seeing grayscale, but you are in a very different place. You see the man from before, this time in his home, playing with a young child. This scene transitions into him taking his child to a healer as the child keeps vomiting. The healer hands nothing but a map to the man, and he looks at the child. This scene moves to him grabbing his plate armor and greatsword, his wife holding the child in a handmade Bjorn, and them traveling across the countryside. Finally, you can see them sitting down to make camp in a rocky area. The man has lit a fire as the woman lays the baby down in the tent. From behind him, an owl bear attacks. The man grabs his greatsword swings up as time slows down and you see the same scene from before man with sword owlbear attacking Farsner hasn't stopped looking at you all this entire time oh okay I thought that was gonna be uh, a, a little different man I thought he needed something for the medicine or something from the owlbear but he was just defending his family uh, do we just we just let it happen? Maybe we try to help him. I'm going to cast Polymorph on the owlbear. <laughs> I'm just worried that that owlbear is like doing the same thing. They're just trying to protect her family. What are you polymorphing the owlbear into? And what kind of save is that? A bunny rabbit. Wisdom save 15. There is now a bunny where the owlbear used to stand. Anyone else want to do something first? Maybe. Can we, like, angle his back so that that swing is more like a golf swing? <laughs> <laughs> we could just move him back five I, feet. I mean, 
what if we could do something to save both of them? Yeah, that's that's my plan. Okay, I'm I'm just letting y'all know that like that it's still an angry bear that like attacked him just for sitting there with the fire. So like could still like come back and just be like still angry because it's like oh well they're gonna leave because we're gonna cure this baby. And, but yeah, what what if what if the the owl bear is just doing the same thing and then it's protecting its little owl bear cubs? Yeah, we don't want him to kill it. No, we don't. What if we're not supposed to do anything at all? What if we're supposed to just watch? Why? Jet, can you see if you can enter the tent? Maybe you can heal their kid. I'll I'll take a look. I'll see what I can do. I'm going to walk right to the tent, see if I can get in. You're able to move the tent flap. You can see this woman is slowly picking up the baby and bringing it to her chest. Is this like a weird version of the trolley problem? <laughs> <laughs> Want to take a look around first, see see what's on the ground, what's what's in there at all. Looks like a small little sleeping bag bed thing for the baby. It looks like they hadn't unpacked yet. Most of their stuff is in here. So they just got here. Well, I mean, the tent's set up. Uh, I'd like to take a look at the baby in the mother's hands. Just see how the baby's looking. The baby's starting to cry. Does it look hurt or anything? It almost looks malnourished. What's wrong with it, Chet? It it just it looks sick. It, it looks like it has nothing to it. It it's definitely is not gaining weight. I mean, we've healed someone from before from being sick. We we I, I can cast lesser lesser restoration. Yeah, I I think maybe we try something for it, but will that solve what's happening outside as well? Well, if it's a bunny, it's not gonna kill them. And if we move him away from hitting the bunny. And we heal the kid. Yeah, what what my thought is, like, whenever we do something, time goes back and, like, replays it. So if we heal the kid now, would this whole situation not even happen? Well, let's try. I'll put my hands on the, on the child and give it two of my land hands. And I'll cast Lesser Restoration on it. Can somebody also move the move the man away from the bunny? I got it. Sebastian, as you drop the man, again, time seems to stand still. Dang it. Smoke again swirls up your bodies and covers your faces as again whoosh, whooshes away once more. You see a small oasis in a forest. Watering hole. Oi, what's the best game where you get to eat pie? What's the best game where you play a dead guy? Aye? You'll find out in DG247's Looks boring. What are you on about? It All looks of great. their games, they look boring. It doesn't look boring. It looks like it you're an assassin on the Isle of Man. But it doesn't have the kind of... Wow. The steampunk quail-based economy is incredible. Yeah, it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> VG247's Best Games Ever podcast is ostensibly a show about figuring out what the best game in a weirdly specific category is, but it's actually just about petty arguments. You should listen to it. It's good. Is that it? That's the whole promo? Uh, yeah, I was just doing And it. that's supposed to make people subscribe, is it? Yes. Okay, good luck with that. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Almost. A mother owlbear is drinking from the waters with three owlbear cubs. From the trees, an arrow hits the mother in the back of the shoulder blades. 
She turns and roars as a group of hunters come rushing out of the woods. The three cubs start running one direction as the mother attacks the hunters. One cub gets out in front of the other two as a ball of fire is shot from one of the hunter's hands. The front cub makes it away from this clearing and into the woods, but the fire separates the lone cub from her two siblings and her mother. Surrounded on all sides, fire, hunters, and water, the owlbear mother screeches to the lone cub. The lone cub runs away as fast as she can. We follow the lone cub as she runs. She transitions from cub to adult to mother with two cubs of her own running behind her. They run into a cave and fall asleep for the night. The mother is woken up by fire outside the cave. She looks over to her two sleeping cubs and charges outside of the cave and attacks a man wearing plate armor that isn't fully on gripping a longsword. Again, time slows down. This time, you can see into the cave where the cubs are rousing from their sleep, into the tent where the woman grabs her child and brings her close to her chest. And again, Farsner looking at you all. My um, spell slots are still used from the last round. You didn't feel any magic leave your body. Did I use my land hands or no? Doesn't feel like it. Wow. What the heck? I, I think we're just supposed to watch what happens. I think we're just supposed to understand where everyone is coming from. There's multiple sides to the story. I'm going to druidcraft to put out the fire. And I think we should still separate them so they don't fight and still cure the baby. Yeah, what if what if we just push the mama back into her den and we just Yeah. gather up their supplies and take them as far away from the cave entrance as possible? Yeah. Then she's not going to charge out. She's not going to get defensive. These guys are still going to have their their tent all set up. I don't think it's going to solve anything. Like I said, I think we just have to watch. Why? None of them deserve to have that happen. Every time we move them, it goes back to where it was. Just to give us more information. It's almost like he's telling us that certain things are inevitable. Maybe they don't have to be. It's not necessarily up to us to intervene with everything that happens, though. I think Jet's right on this. Because, like, we got these two people, these two forces that are coming together. And it wasn't anything that drew them together. They just ended up near each other. And it's not up to us to change anything. You know, this is just another thing that happens every single day. And we can't be expected to stop everything. There's no moral high ground on this one. Because it's just two parents protecting their loved ones, you know? No, obviously we can't stop everything, but this seems like a situation where we are literally presented with an opportunity to help. It seems like a waste if the whole purpose is to not help. Yeah, but let this situation play out to its whole. Even if we stopped everything, we put out the fire, now there's just three people out there, the owlbear's still angry, and even if we turn it away, there's nothing that we can do aside from just fully separating these people by hundreds of feet, which we do not have here that's going to stop this from happening as soon as it plays out like if this is just a series of things that happens right now and then there's no before and there's no after for this sure maybe whatever but like in a real life situation none of this is going to matter like it's just going to happen no matter what if we intervene one way or the other there's like a moral 
dissonance right there because like either we leave an owl weird ass bear cub babies without a parent or we leave this family to get eaten by bears there really isn't anything that we can do in this sort of situation so I think we have the option to try to de-escalate and I don't see why that is ever the wrong thing to do give us one more chance go ahead You could be right. The whole lesson could be you can't do anything to change anything ever, but I think that's pretty lame. Fate is what fate is, but if if we can fix or change something, that's going to affect two separate families. We've been given the illusion that we can help. Exactly. Let's try one more time. Let's see if it'll do anything. Maybe third time's a charm. Cure the baby as much as we can. Turn the man away. Owlbear facing her cubs all snuggled in there. Yeah. As far in the cave as humanly possible. Do we put the man in the tent with his family? Have him facing a tree so that when he goes through his strike, it'll strike the tree. I think that's it. As you guys finish up, swirls around your feet all the way up your body to your faces and... You awaken in the basement of Windermere. Did it work, or are we just done? Did we fail? He looks at you all. You too. And he points to Jet and Xander. Stand over there. Okay. Okay. Got it. And he looks towards Blueberry and Sebastian. Choosing one side is never black and white. There's always gray area. Making the most informed decision with the information you have is all you can do. There's always more information to be had. And it is always worth seeking to learn more before acting. Your search for knowledge has been granted. You too. And he points to Jet and Xander. Inability to act is a problem. Having the ability and choosing not to, that's restraint. Your search has also been granted. Hmm. Radical. I just had a riddle. What? What? Damn it, Patches. We had a whole moral dilemma. Your boy was morally dilemmed. What information do you seek? I can only give you what I knew back then. Is it like a one question per person kind of thing, or? It used to be, but now I like talking. Patches here has changed that. Thanks, Patches. I used to only give him one question a day. Woof. What happened here? Group of marauders. All dressed in crude leathers, painted red, rained fire down and upon and destroyed the tower. They blocked the escape tunnels and headed for the vault while killing everyone. It was mass murder. I was in the tower before it fell and ran down here and was running for the tunnels when it was blocked. A woman leading a small battalion of soldiers blocked our way, and she was the one who did this. He points to the blade wound in his chest. How did Patches ever get in contact with you? How did he discover that he could talk to you? Ask him. I'll just look at him. I just came down here and I found him. Looking for knowledge and everything else had been taken. And you're just like, dumb good at necromancy or some shit? It's not necromancy. Okay, that's the only word I know, so... You're going to have to expand on that, I guess. Good at a few things. Okay. All right. Well, let's get, let's go back a little bit. We're looking for some info on 
the magistrate, right? Like that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so like, were you were you a part of the magistrate, or were you just like? I don't know what that is. Okay. I don't even know what it is. There was no knowledge of any magistrate from my time. Oh shoot. What what about an organization and or human that was incredibly against the use of high magic? Can't say I know that. Anything else you can tell me about this magistrate? There was an elven woman named Desideria. Lots of elven women don't know everyone's name. Oh, their symbol? I don't know if you recognize it. It's it's like a like a drawn eyeball with flame for the upper lid. He opens his eyes wide as you say that, Sebastian. <gasps> I will never forget that eye. Oh. The Arcanum. They were a group of mages and soldiers who belonged to no nation, but they were peacekeepers between the different cities and groups in Fendraya. They were successful peacekeepers in the few years they were active, even stopping a war between Hostgate and Umberdale. They used rash methods and were not easy to talk to, however. They generally kept the peace through force. Their symbol was an eye with sun rays coming out of it. They're the ones who did this. They... Oh. They, what? Do you have any idea why they would have been up here trying to just, uh, you know? I can't say that I do. They were in the height of their power about the time that they attacked. From my understanding, what Patches has told me, nobody even knows the Arcanum anymore, and nobody knows that they did this. Oh, they rebranded. Yeah. Maybe when they connected with the Fire God, they decided to go from... Sun raised to fire? Roros has not been connected to Fendrea in millennia. Isn't he... Didn't he help do this? That's what they say. What was it? One of the strongest mages on Fendrea was helping them. Fiery comets rained down from the sky. One person was able to do this out here? The fire probably won. They had an army. You don't know anything about them? The Arcanum was secretive. I do know at least one of the officers was a woman. Just the one that was with the hidden battalion down here to stop the escapees. Do you remember what she looks like? Elven woman. Tall. Purple hair. There we go. Mm. Oh. I think that's Desideria who leads the magistrate. Damn, she old. Wait, wait, she's a nice mage. Why, why, why would she rain down meteors? Oh, she didn't do the meteors. She was down here. So there's someone more powerful than her. At least one. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and do you know why they came here to do this? Patches. Tell them. Must have been one of the last things the Arcanum did was attack Windermere. They soon disbanded afterwards. No one knows why exactly, but... You just stopped hearing about the Arcanum or anyone associated with them. Most likely wanted to rewrite history. If they attacked here to destroy all of the books and knowledge. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That wasn't that the thing that like, people were like World War, one of the World Wars they burned down like with the Alexander's Library. That wasn't World War. Fucking <laughs> lost millions of years of knowledge or some shit back home. 
don't know. Dog, are you from Burndarium? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a follow-up. <laughs> Is there more knowledge you seek? Do you have any knowledge of a rift within Arcanum? People who disagreed on how to approach things? They were only active for a few years. I don't know much about their history. All I know about them is they used to reside somewhere in Ochendoth Mountain. They said living in the wake of a terrible tragedy kept their intentions pure and the motives they stood for clear. Now, question. You, you said they had an army. How many people are we talking? Hundreds? Thousands? I know it probably doesn't hold up now, but that's something we have to keep in mind. May I ask why you're looking for this? The Magistrate seems to be trying to take over Fandrea and outrule magic altogether, while using it themselves. <laughs> Heavily. And, I mean, if they can erase the history of everything before they were around, it'll only take, like, a couple generations before everything is fully under their control, you know? They become history. They're the only history that we know. We want to know what they're trying to do next. If this magistrate really is the uh, rebranding, as you put it, of the Arcanum, there may be clues inside the mountain. Where that mountain at? Did you say that? We pull out our map. Patches is very eager to show you a giant singular mountain. Oh, oh shit. Oh, God, that's God. far. Dang it. Not in a mountain range. How the heck that even happened, geologically speaking? You mean magically speaking? Oh, shit, Magic Mountain. Wait, isn't that in Disney World? Do you know what that fortress is behind the mountain? Teronia. Teronia, what happens there? Uh, any relation to the mountain, or is it just geologically convenient? Just close. You don't know about Ochendoth Mountain? No. They really have erased history, haven't they? Well, we're not from here. To be fair, no one's brought it up the entire time we've been here, and that seems like something that would be pretty important for an entire country that's trying to get rid of magic. An entire magic mountain you think would pop up in conversation somewhere. The mountain itself is not magic. It was brought here by magic. Damn! Who brought it here? Volazar. Powerful wizard of the time. Thousands of years ago, got the bright idea of destroying Fendrea. And he decided to do so by combining Fendrea with the elemental plane. We've heard about that! Oh, shit! He uh, connected the two. And as Earth started to flood the plane, it created Ochendoth Mountain. Next was water, creating the Gulf of Hyannis. And then fire was the Badlands. Before he could bring air to spread the destruction across Vandrea, he was stopped. Now air rules the elemental plane. Oh, Kingsley got that information from when he was in Elvarath. We talked about it on the way down from the lift about Volazar. Did we ever consider the possibility that Kingsley might have been like a mole? Like he might have been gotten turned? God, I hope not. I mean, I hope so too, but... I, I don't know if we ever even discussed that. We could cast truth stuff on him. Good call, good call. 
Unless he's a sleeper soldier and he doesn't even know. The numbers, Mason. What do they mean? <laughs> oh, you have questions about arithmetic. Please, no. Uh, <laughs> uh no, but I, you know what? Speaking of speaking of math and numbers, probably. Um, Burndarium. What's going on there? Is that place cool? Is that dope? <laughs> I have been there a few times. It was great. Oh boy, do we have some news for you? <laughs> so, Patches, my dog. When's the last time you were in Burndarium? Thirty or so years. I have started my knowledge quest since. Didn't that place is not existed anymore? It's like a bunch of boats now, right? Yes, but the structures and the mountain are still there. Is it haunted? By robots. Yes. Horrifying. Dope. We gotta go. Uh, but... I went for nostalgia. I used to live there. Right. So you were already on your quest when that shit got non-existent anymore. I left before the boats were made. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, not for you, I get. Well, I don't know. I don't know how you felt about Burndarium. Sorry for your loss, or congratulations. I feel the steam is weakening. Oh, God. Um, is there any anything specific about the battle itself that you want to relay to us? Anything you want us to pass down into history? Clearly it was all burned here. Like, can't we, can we take note of something to pass it down? I think it may be unsafe for you to bring this knowledge to the public, especially if the magistrate is trying to gain power. I think it best we leave this place be as a reminder of what can happen and stay away from the ice witch. She hurts. Oh, we know. We'll avenge you because you've given us a lot of information. You didn't deserve to die that way. So good luck, boss. And I'll hit him up for a dab. <laughs> a ghost dab. <laughs> I, I must say patches here has done more than enough to make my life worth it. I have, uh, been able to pass on my teachings. Hanging dap. You can see he's slowly starting to fade. And I'm just sitting there like, someone, someone's gotta do it. <laughs> Hit up Patches. Someone gotta dap me up. <laughs> patches stretches for a moment. Time to leave. Hanging dap. He starts picking up the teacups and pushes some onto Jet. And starts climbing over that pile of mud and dirt, going back towards the staircase. Frederick is going to jump off of my shoulder onto Xander's hand and try to dap him up by hanging <laughs> from his arm. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that Xander liked Frederick more. <laughs> because now he's just looking at his arm like, uh, just like waving it a little bit, <laughs> trying to shake him off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like he's like he did the dap, obviously, but then he's like, "All right, get off, come on, crawl up onto your shoulder and jump from your shoulder to my shoulder." All right, that counts, I guess. Did that do it? <sighs> yeah, it got me where I needed to be. <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna tell everybody about this magistrate bullshit. <laughs> Is there anything that we can do to respect his body? I don't know if there'd be like a tradition that they would do for respect. If you want to say some things, I'll, I'll play a little tune. I think I'll just I'll just give a little bow to the body and start following uh, Patches out. He is already out of the wreckage as you guys come up the stairs. You have to do your army crawl. 
can see that Patches is walking back towards his camp. And Jet, you still have the teapot and everything in your hand. I guess we start heading back to camp. And he grabs the teapot and teacups, goes in his little tent, puts it down. Does anybody want to ask Patches anything else before we, we head out? I'm good. If you want to talk to him, you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm all set. Patches, before we, we leave, is there anything that we can help you with? Keep this place secret! It's the least that we can do for you, absolutely. Unless you'd like for us to send one or two people here to help you. No more people. Patches, do you think we should tell people what really happened here? Or do you think we should let the world believe that a god did this? That is a moral quandary I do not want on my shoulders. Alright, I just wanted another perspective. It's something I was thinking about. Okay, let's leave. Oh, hey, uh, is there an easier way down this mountain? Where are you going? Uh, back to the Spearhead Gulf. That's where our boat's waiting. Where are you going? Back to Matthias? Fairmore? Thought you passed the test. What? What? Huh? It's always worth seeking more before acting. You want us to go to Archendoth? Right now? Or Burndarium, maybe? Maybe both. I mean, think about our lesson. Think about the lesson that we were just taught. We need to learn as, as much as we can. This is all about knowledge right now. Why, why would we go back, the more I think about it, when we only know one side? What if everything that he told us was a lie? Or what if it was biased? Can't we talk about this with at least just Matthias? He doesn't need to know where or how to get anywhere, but he can know the knowledge we learned. And he could have information about Achendoth. The best way to get there, what to do. Kingsley also read about the place. He had knowledge of it from Elvarath. I, I don't know what the magistrate would have told him about it, but he knows of it. He, he has some information that we could at least have. But I mean, I, if, if we're here and we want to go to Berndarium, I guess there's really no point in ping-ponging and then... Just to get right back here, we might as well just... We don't have any leads taking us to Brindarium, do we? That's just curiosity. I mean, the magistrate did it. There might be something there that could be information on that. I don't know. But what, like, why would the magistrate go there at all? What would be the point, right? There must have been something that they were trying to cover up or get rid of or stop. We need, we need to think of the big picture. What would be the benefit to going to Auchendoth and Brindarium before we go back to Matthias? We're here. Time. More knowledge than what we have now. So, here's the thing. If, if we're over here already, Brindarium's right there. And it's something that's been brought up by Kingsley, by Matthias, and now by these guys. Well, we've got people waiting in boats at the top of the spearhead, and they don't want to go to Brindarium. They don't want us to go, I don't think. Oh, well, I, I know they don't want to go, but we can at least go back. We, we have to backtrack anyway. We can tell them that, you know, they can they can just be on their way. And, I mean, we can just walk down the coast. It doesn't look too, too far, I guess. That's got to be a day. And then how are we going to get back after that? True. Plus, we wanted to go back underground, right? The Underdark to save those people? Oh, there's so many things! Well, what is our biggest priority right now? Information. We're looking for info. 
and we want to be back in Pastel in like five days. No, it was longer than that. We traveled for like a day and a half and it was supposed to be a week after that, right? It was a week and a half when we talked to him and it's only been a couple days. Well, then we got like a week, eight or nine days before we uh, need to be back. So think about it. All right. So let's let's. All right. Let's timeline here. Timeline. Everyone get out your pens and papers. We're doing a test. All right. So if we go back and let Marshall Mathers, what was his name? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The Maxwell fam, the Maxwell family. Uh, We go back and let the Maxwells know that we are going to continue our journey on foot. We go back down to Berndarium. That's a day. So we got seven days left. Then we're going to have to either find a boat or just walk around the whole spearhead to get back to Faramore. So that's at least probably two days of traveling. Let's factor out a day in Berndarium. So that's six days left. And then around that, it's four days left. And then travel back over to Varlvrthith. Well, if we do the Faramore, if we go underground, that's probably like two more days. So that's like two days. And then we walk over. That's like a day. And then we have a day in Valorith. Yeah, we can do that. Let's go to Berndarium, boys. And Blueberry. (laughs) I know we have the Underdark on the list. There was definitely a war down there. Like, they were planning to attack things. And I know we just kind of went over this whole moral dilemma thing, but is it even worth it to try to go down and risk our own lives to save whoever might be left? They were gearing up to attack Oclock. So either they succeeded and everyone's there, or... How do we know that hasn't happened already? It has. It was like they were they were going to attack like two days after we were down there. Yeah. During that chaos might be the best time to help someone escape. Alternative, if we don't want to take part in that, we can travel for probably another like two days out to right over here. We keep hearing about Hyannis. There's a bunch of stuff that was going through there. I don't know we, if we wanted to go there. You don't think Achendoth would be a better first stop? I think all we had from Hyannis was that's where the snacks were coming from that Zephyr always got. All right. All right. Well, then, yeah, if if Achendoth Mountain is down a little bit, then our new. So, all right. So, okay. Instead of. Okay. Reset. (laughs) All right. So we go down to Berndarium and then we walk back to Valorith. Nope. mm, Faramore. Then we walk from Faramore over to Hagendaz Mountain. <laughs> so that's one day, two days, three days, four days. Six days to get up there, spend a day in there, seven days. Uh, in theory, we should be able to get back to Pastau. Especially if we stop by the people at the boat and we ask what they would think about picking us up from Birdarium, if we could pay them extra. Or, oh, oh. It would save us a whole day. So we walk to the boat. We ask them if they can chill on the coast for another day. We walk down to Berdarium. We walk back up. And then they pick us up from where they dropped us off. And then they can take us wherever we need to go rather than doing a whole loop around the Spearhead Gulf. I think that only saves us a day. A day's a day. It's it's a day and some money, though. Time to leave! Patches, we're, we're scheming! <laughs> you say that as he is walking to the north. We're going. Time to leave. Uh, uh, yeah. Do you want us to follow you? 
That's not usually what leave means. He kind of like nods. What? Yeah, okay. we're, we're okay. going behind him. I'm just going to go behind him. But he said leave. What is? He's been so good to us this whole time. I, I feel like it's it's the smartest thing. These are mixed signals. He starts walking towards the north. So he's definitely not taking you the way you came. You can see Patches has not done much to clean up this area yet. He's started at the south. And he kind of walks between two mountaintops to the top of a steep cliff going downward. This area pretty much looks like a dead end other than that sheer face going downwards. And it has a beautiful view where you can see the mountains are snow capped in the distance. He walks along the edge of this cliff towards one of the western mountain faces that creates kind of like a little valley with the cliff behind it. He starts climbing up a part of this mountain. Jet, are we really following this guy up a mountain? Yeah, I'm doing it. There are some decent handholds and you can see about 20 foot up. There is a lip that he climbs onto and his head disappears over that lip. And Jet, you're right there. You hear sliding before a thud. I'm just going. Oh, Jesus oh my Christ. God. Yep. Climbing up this is easy enough, especially after seeing Patches do it. At the top, you can see there's almost like a little bit of a steep slide of slick mud that goes down about 10 feet before leveling out where Patches has cleaned himself off and he is already continuing down a pathway. It seems to be hidden between two of these mountaintops. Ah, uh, ah, uh, you see? Uh, don't rub it in just yet. Uh, knowing, knowing Blueberry's hatred for climbing, I'm going to, like, give her a little foot boost with my hands. Thanks. <laughs> Following you walk for quite some time along this little hidden path. It's not exactly narrow or treacherous. It just nicely meanders between these two sets of mountains. There are some tall pines here and there kind of surprising that they grow so well in somewhat rocky area. It doesn't look like anyone ever really used this path. Or if they did, it was very, very rare. You walk for about five or ten minutes going westward. The mountains get a little bit higher up. You're moving towards the Ashen Bluffs where the rocks are a little more brown and gray compared to the North Crown Mountains to your east, which are more of these snow-capped mountains where Eldrath is. After that 10 minutes of following or so, you see that Patches has stopped in a small area with trees. These aren't seen much unless you're around Nearleth. Keep it away from people wherever you can. Don't want anyone trying to steal nothing from you. See, seen what? Off with ye! Don't want scavengers knowing they've missed anything up here. What? And he gestures down a small path between some pine trees begins walking back towards Wintermare. Maybe it's like a shortcut down. Um. Okay. I'll walk down the path that he showed us. And you, Xander, walk down this small pathway. You pass through a small thicket of pine trees, kicking up dirt and fallen needles all around. Thanks, Patches. Thank you, Patches. As you make your way past the last few of these pines, you see a large flat clearing hidden by mountains on all sides. In the middle of this clearing, a large wooden and partially metal structure. <gasps> it stands easily 40 foot tall, oh. 120 foot long, and 30 foot wide. 
It looks like an oblong ship with two large sails on the top and on each side, two horizontal sails. <gasps> a large, uninflated, blimp-like structure connected to the back. Oh. Oh. A large airship, undisturbed by time. Ah? Uh? Ah? Uh? And for today, that's a wrap. Ah? Uh? <laughs> Yo. Oh my god. Sky pirates. See what happens when you give somebody respect. Y'all are like, oh, I gotta ask him a bajillion questions when he doesn't want to say anything. I say nothing. And then we get an airship. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for listening. Cool beans. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Cool beans. Bye. Fuck, what is his voice? I had it so well earlier. <laughs> I'm fucking it up now. Good at a few things. Fuck, that's not even what did I say earlier that made me. Nothing left here for scavengers. There we go. <laughs> Blasting off again. <laughs> I forgot about that night. <laughs> Just every time he needed the voice. Blasting off again. <laughs> the other wardens were interesting fellows. We had New York. She was always a blast to hang out with as she always had energy, even in those early morning study groups. Then there was Ash, genius in his own right, but he'd never give you that information without you asking first. Sean de Jesus was a specialized warden. He was obsessed with learning everything there was to know about various species of cat. Not tigers or cougars, just house cats. Wartorn Knight was our resident guard. He was indeed a warden, but his main thing was scaring people away who got too rowdy at the door when they weren't allowed in. Eric Five was the bookmaster. He kept all of the library up to date. And if you ever put a book back in its wrong section, you would never hear the end of it. Dubward was the vault keeper. Installed the lock on the vault himself as well as would keep everything safe inside those walls. Lord Asselberg was the only traveling warden. He guarded the knowledge he could find out in the field. He would acquire knowledge and bring it back. East Week was the newest of the Wardens. Showed great promise, and we were excited to see where he went before all things went to hell. Jeff the Milkman was our milkman. He brought us milk. St. E. Love was master of anything Hyannis. All the attractions of the vacation spots, any of the performers, what went wrong and what went right there. Jesky Fire was activity manager. She'd come up with fun stuff for us to do on our days off. The fourth Sunday of the fourth month of every fourth year. She'd always come up with something great. Last time was bowling night. And finally, there was Ebab Flow. Knowledge on every topic you could think of, but you never knew when he was making something up just to mess with you. <laughs> <laughs>